0: And i'll go ahead and make the disclaimer my my plan is not to be before you long this morning, because as I sat down yesterday i didn't i didn't have as much time to put the message together this week, even though I seek the Lord for it every single week. I sat down yesterday and i said lord i said you know I've, I've labored for you this week and i' I'm not complaining by no means." I said but lord i would i would really love to spend some time with my family tonight as well i said so lord i said if you could just drop this word in my spirit and let me hear what you have to say and then the lord began to minister to me and he said how about you do a part one of two i said i like that lord i like that i like that so so just kind of just staying in the thought process or staying uh in the spirit if we could say it that way you know my mind goes back to 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 a uh not abraham i'm sorry to moses excuse me and god spoke to moses god spoke to moses about many things But God had brought the children of Israel out of Egypt so that they could meet Him in the wilderness. And it was never about the promised land. It was about meeting the promiser. And as time continued on, you know, the children of Israel were such very ungrateful I guess if we could say it that way they were complainers and one day the Lord said to Moses he said I'm going to send a choice angel one that I choose to go with you and to lead you into the promised land to lead you into what I've promised you and kind of paraphrasing this and looking at it in this reference is Moses his reply to the Lord was this because if God would have mentioned this to the children of Israel they would have said absolutely let's go see because what they wanted was they wanted the promises of God and not the promiser himself you see but Moses had a different outlook on this and why did he have a different outlook on this is because when we go back to Exodus 20 and 20 the children of Israel did not fear God. So therefore, they had no relationship with God. So what happened here was because now Moses feared God, he had that relationship. And in that relationship, he knew God's presence and and he knew the manifestation of God. And because he knew that, then that's what he longed for. He hung on every word that God spoke, and I know that we're not on topic here today with our message, but this is just so in my spirit that I want to put this out there. Maybe it's for somebody online or somebody listening to us via podcast. But God said, "I'm going to send a choice angel to take you to the Promised Land," and Moses's response was this: He said, "Lord, if you're not going, then." I'm not going. I don't want your promise if I can't have you. If I can't have the promiser then the promise means nothing to me you see because what the children of Israel was going to do they were going to make the promised land a place of idolatry they were going to worship the promise and not the promiser and so many times we we get confused and Lord if you'll just do this for me this time if you'll get me out of this situation and what happens in most cases for so many people is that they get through it they get to the promise and then they forget the promiser so i want to keep us reminded here this morning that we've got to be seeking the promiser you know i often pray and i've heard a man pray this and this becomes my prayer as i said lord don't let my character outgrow this ministry if i become prideful if you know that i'm going to become prideful lord then don't do not excel this ministry because it's more to me about my walk and my relationship with God than it is this ministry. Because first he called me to himself before he called me to do a work. So, so we, we can't neglect what he's first called us to. And that is to walk in fellowship with the King. We, we so talked about that fellowship with the King, such a great series. And it was just so impactful for me uh, and who knows, we may get to preach that one some other time down the road, uh, but I want to just go ahead and just to walk into, move into this, I'll go ahead and make this known for those that are viewing us, those that are here, uh, we're going to do communion like following the end of the service. Uh, and I usually do communion the first Sunday of every month, uh, but we missed it last week and and that was my fault uh but we have an opportunity to do it again today and we'll do it again on the first of november first sunday of november uh we'll actually be in our building by that time as well but so so at you know if you want to pause if you just want to go grab your communion when we finish we'll move right on into that afterwards but i want to get into the second part of my series here that the lord's given me and it's called the process. And then the second part of this is called the process of growing, part one. So last week we talked about what the process of. See anybody remember? Dying, yes. Yeah, so before, so get baby, go back to that previous picture if you could. See, so see what we have here is we're seeing a process taking place. And, and all the while this, you know, it had to been, it had to die and be placed in the ground first and we talked about that last week and, and I had, I, I didn't realize uh, that certain people were going to be here last week that was able to hear such a message that is so impactful. And and to realize that before we can have a relationship with God is that we must first die to self. And if we're not ready to die to self, then then, then we're not going to, that's all we're ever going to be is just a seed that just stands alone and will never multiply into the more that God's called us to. Hallelujah. So we're going to go, so, so this is part two. and We'll be talking about the process of growing. So we'll go back to our flagship scripture in Psalms 37, verse 23 through 30, uh, 25. And it says this, I'll read this in the NLT. And it says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. So if we stop there for, for just a moment, uh, in one translation, it said the, the footsteps of the righteous are ordered that we read in one translation but the word golly and the word righteous carry the same meaning they are synonymous and what they mean is those that are in right standings with god those that are walking in his way in his footsteps those that are walking in mutual movement with god so it says the lord directs so so let's just imagine here for just a moment uh, we've all been drove by schools before. Maybe not so much Kaylee. I don't know how much they really do that anymore. But sometimes there's crosswalks, and then there'll be there'll be a crosswalk guard out there that has a little stop sign for you to stop and and directing the kids to come. So what she's doing or he's doing is giving multiple directions, giving directing their steps, telling them when they can come and when they can go, when they need to stop, or when they need to be still. And we see that times where maybe we've been up to an intersection or an accident and there's a cop there that's directing the path. We've all seen construction sites where it's one lane and there's somebody there that's directing traffic, you know, and these directions are for a reason and they are for our good. But, but, but when we go back, is that verse 35, 30, uh, 23, it says, the Lord directs the steps of a, of the golly or a righteous person. So if we look at that, God has directed our steps. There's a process that we must go through when we are walking with God. When we are walking with him, hey, what's your step right there. He is directing you. And it continues on, it said, and He delights in every detail of your life. Isn't that wonderful? You know, just to think that, man, Lord, as long as I walk hand in hand with you, I don't have nothing to fear. There's nothing, you know, that, that's, that's going to harm me because I'm walking with you. I'm walking in tangent with you. I'm walking hand in hand. We are having mutual movement together. And, and it says that the Lord delights in that. Um, can can we even imagine that, that it is so delightful to him that everything we do has been orchestrated by him? I mean, we imagine, you know, when we had kids, mom, you remember when you had kids, even the grandkids, how you may would direct their steps and you would lead them down a right path you would not never lead them out into oncoming traffic you know so so everything that he has for us we go back to Jeremiah 29 and 11 that the the, the the Lord says I know the plans that I have for you and this is along the same reference that God directs every step that we take in our walk with him and so so I want to make sure that we drive the nail home here about the reference. Of walking in righteousness and walking in righteousness gives us a guarantee it gives us a guarantee that all of our steps are ordered. so when we stand outside of God when 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 our parents get away when when the children get away from the parents let's just be honest with you the kids have a tendency to what to stray. They, they, they do not become conscious of what time it is, they do not become conscious about making the right decisions. Now, let's just be real in saying that we can all be honest because if, we, if we're gonna say that we never did that, then I'm gonna tell you that you're a liar to your face because we've all done things when our parents weren't around that we knew we were not supposed to do and this is along the same reference when we're walking with God we're going to do what God has told us to do what he's commanded to do and and if your kid is with you and they act up what are you quick to do I remember my kids used to walk around the store man they had to touch everything and I, and I don't know if that's just my kids or if it was all kids but you know I used to hey put your hands in your pocket and then my baby girl goes, Daddy, I don't have no pockets. Well, put your hands in your pants then. And then she'd say, when I turn my back, she'd pull them out and she'd start touching again, uh, you know, and saying she wouldn't say that then, but she'll say it now because she realizes th- what I was telling her. Uh, and on the same token, uh, God has that tendency to do this in our life. Verse 24. Man, I get past, I get one verse and, and I'm already. 12-13 uh, uh, minutes into our message here today uh, verse 20, 24 says though they stumble they will never fall see God didn't promise us that we wouldn't stumble he just promised us that we wouldn't fall so stumbling is different than falling stumbling is what happens before you fall So, and we've all seen that we've all almost tripped over something and we did what we caught our balance and then sometimes we just fell flat on our face and I don't fall as gracefully as I used to. How about you? I, <laughs> I have a tendency to fall a little bit harder. But God, again, here, again, God promises that as long as we walk godly, that we're not going to fail. We can see this in, I in, uh, believe it's Second Peter chapter 1 as well that if we walked in these ways that we wouldn't fall so it says once i was young and now am old yet i have never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging for bread and, and I take this very seriously as I pray every day over my kids that, that God, as long as I'm walking righteous, as long as I'm walking the path that you've called me, as long as I'm walking the path that you've laid before me, as long as I walk labor and labor in everything that you've commissioned and called me to, then my kids, my kids will never have to go lacking for bread, for food, for needs, for what's needed so so we go back to this and we talk about this is is what is the process so just to really break this down I forgot that I even created a slide for that baby you're so good but a process is this a series of actions or steps taken in order to achieve a particular end or a goal so that's exactly what happened. We've talked about this. We've talked about this. We can all think about These processes in our life it just can you just take what was the process of you and Rich? You get married? You know, you dated you, you you talked about things this that and the other you talked about finances You talked about how you want your family to look you talked about where you want to live You've talked about uh, this that and the other you got your marriage license you you lined up things for your uh, uh where you were going to have your wedding if, if I, I just for lack of words yeah mom when we think about the ingredients that we put in our food uh, I like to relate food with you because I, I know you used to really be a lover of, of cooking um maybe not as much now and that's fine you just enjoy everybody else's cooking uh, when you can or, or if you can um but me I love the labor of cooking you know and and just like the Lord blessed us in our plate sale over the weekend and thank you for those that have participated and I'll just make that public here. But there was a process that took place, you know, and and all of these, all these things had to take place before what? Before I could achieve a particular end or goal. And so I will say that in a lot of times that this process is labor intent. You think about having a kid, well it's labor intent but the end of it is what it is joyful it brings you so much joy and then after a while they begin to bring you heartache and and and, and, and just hurt your heart and uh become disobedient it, but 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 it again it is a process you know and that was kind of one of the things the lord showed me That your job is to raise them in the ways of my word. And when they get out, it's their choice. It becomes their choice. So, So technically, if we look at it this way, is my place is to teach you how to follow Christ. And from there, it's all up to you. I can't make that decision for you. If I could, I would. But you know, my parents couldn't make that decision for me. And you can't make it for your kids, and you can't make it for your grandkids. It—that's just the beauty of making that decision. And, but we know everybody's not going to accept the Lord. I mean, that's a, that's just a hard fact to realize that there's people that's going to go to hell. And it's just like I said last week. It's like, you know, how can such a loving God? Send somebody to hell with the realizations that we're all already on our way to hell The realization here is that Jesus came to save us from that and it becomes our choice from there And we don't understand what forever is But 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 when we look at that So i'm going to touch on my notes here for just a minute as we are all familiar with particular things happening in our life We have the understanding that one thing leads to another we all understand now. So every step of every day will either bring us to our goals being achieved or not, right? So 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 if I decide not to get up today out of the bed, knowing that I need to go to work well what's not going to happen you're not going to get paid for today. I know we have PTO but but if it's an unexcused absence from work well it doesn't matter if you've got PTO or not you may be reprimanded for that so what I'm saying here is is if we know we don't get up out of the bed and go to work we know we're not going to get a paycheck so so that is the goal is to get a paycheck on payday right So when we get a paycheck on payday, the the object is to make sure that you've done all your steps to be able to receive that in which that you've had to labor for. So every decision we make is effective in this happening, whether we achieve it or we don't achieve it because not making a decision to do it is also a decision, correct? It is a decision. So, so we look at it this way. If we're not pressing ourselves in into the Lord, if we're not pressing our way into knowing him better, then what was our decision? That we don't want to know you. When we begin to look at it in that reference, that's exactly what that means. No, Lord, I'm comfortable with just sitting right here. And, you know, we're talking about the process of growing. So if we get comfortable and saying, hey, I'm just going to sit here. I'm sitting in an imaginary chair. Y'all see that? Or if I can. Okay. I better leave that one alone but but I'm just comfortable with sitting here and Lord I, I don't want to know you anymore because if I know you more that's going to require more of me that has to die that requires more of me that has come to the realization that life is not about me it's all about you So when we don't consciously make that decision, whether it's consciously or unconsciously, if we're not moving towards God, if we're not moving into what he's called us to, then we've made a decision that, no, I'm fine. I'm fine, and that's a hard pill to swallow, but that's just the reality of it. Because if I said, hey, go clean your room, but if you just go and sit down and lay down in your bed, well, what happens? You really ultimately told me is, I'm not gonna clean my room. So, and what becomes of that? Well, you know, I, I was always strict. I was, I was strict on my kids, um, you know, and I've apologized to my kids about a lot of things, but that's neither here nor there. The reality is, is if you decided not to do it, ultimately you told me I don't want to do it. So that becomes the very same thing that we're telling God when God's calling us to more and we decide not to do it. Well, then what do we do? We were disobedient. And we know that God can never bless disobedience. What happened to King Saul? He went and did 99% of what God told him to do. He said destroy everything, all of the children, destroy the king, destroy all the animals. And what happened? Saul came back with some sheep and some lambs and the king as prisoners. And then he made the excuse that, you know, we'll we're going we're gonna to let the king survive and we're going to keep the sheep and the lamb so we can make a sacrifice to the Lord. But that was not what God told him to do. God told him to destroy everything. And because he didn't do that, he was 99% obedient to what God told him to do. But you know what 1% cost him? It cost him the kingdom. Because he did not fully obey what God told him to do. So, so 99 percent obedience to what God is telling us to do in His word is still disobedience. Wow, come on, pastor, you're really going to go there. I'm absolutely going to go there. You know why I'm going to go there? Because God went there. And if God can go there and he caused David to come too, because that was where David became anointed to be the king. because God God spoke to God spoke through Samuel to Saul. And he said, he said, God would much more rather obedience than a sacrifice. These lambs mean nothing to me if you're not going to be obedient. How do you think you're going to atone for your sin with these lambs if you're not obedient? So, so, oh, oh, okay. So here we go. Well, you know what? I can go out and I can go do whatever I want to. And then I'll just ask the Lord to forgive me. And you absolutely can do that but God said obedience is better than a sacrifice he would much rather for you to be obedient than to say hey well I can sin and still be forgiven because what do we do we are neglecting the gift we are neglecting grace we are neglecting the very thing that he paid a price that nobody else could pay for and I'm getting away from my notes here a little bit so, so as we will take a journey, I'm get, just getting back to my notes. So as we take a journey into Scripture and in the Spirit to see how this is applicable to our fellowship with the King. <clears throat> so John chapter 12 verses 24 through 26 reads like this. I don't have a slide for that. Well, I'm going to read it to you. Thank you for letting me know that, baby. That's, that, that's why... I'm supposed to finish my sermon and all of that on Saturday nights instead of trying to get up on Sunday morning to finish it up Excuse me. It says truly truly. I say to you again He said the word truly truly twice, right? You remember we've talked about that when he's some when a word is mentioned twice He's putting emphasis on it. So he's wanting you to know here. Hey You need to incline your ears because what I'm about to tell you is life-changing. So I want you to hear this Oh, you know why? Because I am, I am on the wrong notes. That is my fault. I, I'm. That was last week's notes. Let's try this again. So that means my timer starts over. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> so 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 okay so i'll 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 get back to this as we stated as we started this new new series last week with an understanding that every facet of our life is filled with a process the processes are our beginnings and our ends we talked about that a little bit already it is all of the in-between that takes place because like i said one thing leads to another you got to start somewhere and, and and as we read we read in scripture you know the prophet told us he said don't despise small beginnings you know and at first i despise the small beginning of being here at home doing bible study you know some people have even shunned me you know well, let me know when you get a building let me know when you have people you know what that tells me is that they're going for the wrong reason their warnings they want the promise and not the promise or i'm just going to be real with you and i'm not going to sugarcoat anything so these beginnings may seem small but everything begins with a small we take a seed right it starts so small and i'm going to deviate from my notes a little bit and i'm going to try to i'm going to try to be conscious of my time here cuz i didn't go back and change it but but to, but a seed starts out small what did jesus say about a, a, a seed only other than just dying, it, but it talked about the grain of a mustard seed. If, if we would have faith, the grain of a mustard seed. So what happens is a mustard seed is not a tree, it's a plant, it's like a shrub, but it is the largest of all shrubs that, that looks so big that it looks like a tree. And that's the thing is that it's not the fact that it's the smallest seed in the world because there's smaller seeds, but it was the smallest C that becomes something so much bigger that it can be mistaken for being something else and that is what god wants to bring that faith out of us that if our seed may begin small but what happens if we believe him what now what do we see through the plate sale god did twice the amount of money than what we needed it to had to take place and and i couldn't have done that But God told me, he said, I need you to believe me for more so that I can do the more that I want to do, not just in your life, but in your ministry. So, so these beginnings may seem small, but they begin with small. So last week we placed emphasis on dying. We talked about what dying has to look like. And we know that dying is not, is, is not a part of the process that can be skipped or denied because that's, that's phase one. It has to take place. Remember we talked about that seed has to die on the outside. It has to dry up before what's on the inside can come out and what's on the inside has everything that it needs. Everything that's on the inside has everything that it needs to be what it is supposed to be on the outside. But it can't be that unless the the original shell. What's our original shell? This fleshly man. He's got to die first before what God has placed in us can come out and be everything that he's created it to be. So once we have died to self and the ways of this world, we can now begin the process of growing. So during the growth process, the seed will undertake a desire for water. And we can so clearly see this in scripture as well. So now you can turn with me to Matthew Matthew chapter five verse six. Now here we are. We're in the Beatitudes. anybody ever heard of the Beatitudes, or it was called the Sermon on the Mount, and this is this was the this was how the message or blessed are those, blessed are those, blessed are those. So so what happens was 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 Jesus begin with these emphasis here, but I'm, I'm going to skip to verse number six on this, because that's what we're talking about. And it said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled did it say they might be filled it said they shall be filled what the shall means it's going to happen it's going to take place i know that's not a word that we use a lot no more shall Uh, thy shall clean your room you must clean your room this is going to take place this is going to happen this is going to come to fruition so as we go to our next slide and we and we look at these two words that he talked about was hunger and thirst, right? So here's what hunger means. Now, when I look this up in the Greek, this is exactly what it means. It means to be or to become in need or want for food, especially when experiencing hunger pain. So if we just stop there and don't even worry about this next part, because I want to highlight on this, how many of us says like, I mean like truly been hungry before. I mean like you you hadn't ate all day, you've labored, you just been so busy that you haven't had time to eat. Have we been there before? Stomach just goes. Like maybe somebody's doing it right now. I thought maybe it was the dog. <laughs> but but the reality is, is, is this, you know, I, I, I can, I can say that I've experienced this. And you know, when I experience this the most, when I'm telling my flesh that I'm not going to eat. So what do you mean? So what are you saying, Pastor? On a fast. On a fast. There's, uh, one of the last times that I did an extended fast outside of our annual fast that we do once a year, our 21 day fast. Several years ago, I did a four day fast with no food. And day one was like, food looked the best that it has ever looked to me in my whole life. And my stomach would just begin to. Day two, man, I'm praying, I'm seeking the Lord. And man, my stomach is just going. And then the next day, it was all the same way. And it was just like I was just, I was starving. And that was a way of my body, my insides. To, now, I know I don't look like I fasted in a while. But the reality is, is I was a lot skinnier then. So I didn't have a lot of meat to, to, for my body to be clinging on to. But what happened there was I was telling my body no. But What's on the inside? So what's on the inside of us is our spirit man? And he was telling me you're hungry. You're hungry. So my stomach was telling me you're hungry. You're hungry. You're hungry So to be hungry means to be like famine to be without So so when we and sorry, so so I'll continue on with this next one is to thirst is to be dry or thirsting to thirst is a figurative sense, or to desire uh, ardently. And that means very passionately. Very passionately, it's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna die if I'm And sometimes when your mouth gets so dry, it's hard for you to even to speak correctly, because the rolling of your tongue is just, it needs to be wet to be able to do certain things and that's why i try to keep a bottle of water with me because sometimes i'll get parts and, and and sometimes my words may come out misconstrued or wrong but when we begin to look at this that jesus said blessed blessed what is blessed is blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness what does that mean those that are having such a hunger those that are experiencing hunger pains that they just all that they can desire, everything that they want to do, everything that they, that, that, that they go through, is that they want to experience God's Word. They want to experience His righteousness. And in the same facet, the thirst, just, just to be dry. And, and we talked about the seed, that next part of that seed is that it intakes nutrients. It nutrients. I just had to say it. But but what it it desired. It desired because it knows, our spirit man knows that that's the next step. You see, I remember when when I really became, when I first became a Christian, I had so much joy. I had so much zeal. And I wanted everybody to know. And we've all maybe seen or experienced this. Those that have become saved, like genuinely saved, well, what happened? They seem to have a glow about them and it's and you can't you can't even explain that but but just that reality is how hungry I was for God's righteousness so what what I do I would spend day in and day out I'd work I'd come home I'd go upstairs I'd get in my Bible and I would just read and I'd fall on my face and I'd seek God and I remember you know this is no no punt against my wife or my kids but sometimes it would be hey what's dad doing Daddy's reading the Bible. Daddy's upstairs spending some time with the Lord. Daddy's doing this and Daddy's doing that. But what Daddy was doing is Daddy was hungry. Daddy was hungry for God. And then in my intimacy time, I don't want to get into next week's message already, but what God produced from the intimacy. But when we're hungry for God, when we're thirsting for Him Nothing else matters. What did we not just talk about that with Moses this morning? He didn't want the promise; he wanted the promiser. So, so it do, it doesn't matter what everything looks like. We want the promiser, and and those that want the promiser. Are Going to find him when they're thirsty and when they're hungry. It doesn't matter that okay Well now I'm out of the valley and I'm back on the mountain Okay, God I don't need you no more, but it's needing God in the valley and it's needing him on the mountaintop It's needing him on the way back to the valley and back on the way up to the mountaintop You're needing him in every facet of your life and you would never dare Exclude him from anything. Let me continue here. So as we read this list of characteristics that God will bless because this is His nature as well. We were talking about the Beatitudes. Go read it in Matthew chapter 5 sometime. It's only like the first six, seven, eight verses, maybe nine verses. Talks about these characteristics that blessed are those. So these are characteristics that God displays. This is what our spirit man longs for. So we can see that hunger and thirst are a promise that shall be fulfilled. As we look intently as what Jesus called and described as one who is perishing. One who is perishing is the one that's really seeking after him, realizes that nothing else that I have matters because all I want is you. All I want is you. It doesn't matter how much money you got. It doesn't matter that me and my wife are back together. It doesn't matter that my, my kids are happy now. It, none of that matters. All that matters is my walk with you. And that's only going to happen if we thirst and hunger for His righteousness. And and what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to drive home here that it doesn't matter what it looks like at home. It doesn't matter what our bank account looks like. If we are not pursuing this, if we are not pursuing His heart, then all we're looking for is a promise to be fulfilled. Let me continue on here. So the one who feeds and consumes as though... Their life depends on it, and that's what thirsting and hunger is. My life depends on me having food and me having water, and I'm not talking about uh, just enough to get by, but I'm talking about my whole world depends on His righteousness. Me pursuing Him. So as I sit here and I reflect back on at the revelations that God gave me some some years ago about this reference. And I want to share these two with you. These are two things that God has ministered to me about thirst and hunger for his righteousness. Number one was this, not everyone who sits at the table is hungry. Not everyone that sits at the table is hungry. I want you to hear me on that. Not everyone that sits at the table is hungry. Okay, pastor, help me out here. Can can we go a little bit deeper on that? I'm so glad you asked. So, what are some of the reasons why somebody that sits at the table isn't hungry? I'll give you three, I'm gonna give you three here on that. Number one, a reason why somebody that sits at the table that is not hungry, or not everyone that sits at the table is hungry, number one reason is because they're not really hungry. How many times have we just sat down at a table because it was family time and it was time to eat dinner? But we just, you know, pick up our food or just have conversation, but we're not really hungry. And sometimes our parents or the person we're with, they're like, you know, when they finish eating, like, man, you didn't eat nothing. You didn't touch your food. We've heard that before. We've said it before. Well, what happened was they just really weren't hungry. So everyone that says they're a Christian, let's just be bold about this. Everyone that says they're a Christian isn't hungry for the Lord. Everybody's not hungry for him. So uh, that's just point blank. Y'all ready for for number two here? Number two is they're a picky eater. Oh, we've all seen those before, right? Some people don't like their food to touch. I I get that. I don't know why it all goes down and mixes together anyways. But some people... uh, Man, I'm not gonna eat no liver. I just can't I can't bring myself to eat that So what really tells me there is that they're not hungry again, because if you're hungry, you'll do what? You'll eat anything you, you take a homeless person that haven't ate all week and then we ask ourselves the question I Can't be I cannot believe they're eating out of the trash can people's leftovers that people's already put their mouth to, that they've ate, drinking out of somebody else's bottle, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I can't believe that they're doing that, but what does that symbolize? They're hungry. So it doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter what's presented for them to eat because why? They're hungry. So when we display that very same thing and we don't become picky Oh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever will believe him shall not perish but have everlasting life. I like that verse. Verse 17. I did not come to the world to condemn the world because the world was condemned already. Oh, no, I don't like that one. I don't like that one. I don't like the fact that I was, I'm was i already on my way to hell. I don't like that one. So you know what? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just skip that verse and then I'm going to go to the next one. I, I can't quote the next one but I can read it to you. But you're seeing what I'm saying, right? There's people, there's people that read. So the question is is on this, is do you believe what you read or do you, or do you believe what you read? Just change two words around, right? Do you believe what you read? In other words, everything that you read, do you believe it to be God's word? Do we believe it to be God's word? or do we just read the parts that feels good to us the parts that tickles our inner are we that kind of people here's here's a here's a third reason why some people why some people that sit at the table aren't hungry it's cuz they're sick how many of us has ever been sick maybe with the flu or just with something and you caught a, a smell of something you sat down to eat i remember like when i had covid and it was like it, I, I was sick. I could not eat. So sick people have a tendency Not to eat, right? How many of us have been sick before and our appetite has just not been there? Excuse me And that's exactly what happens is that when we're sick We don't want to eat. So looking at a steak looks like eating a leather shoe sometimes when you're sick, that's exactly how you're you're your person feels is that th- this is not desirable to me. So, so when we look at the reference of being sick Because being sick can lead us to a process of dying and, and When we begin to think about that Romans chapter 6 it said for the wages of sin is what is death But the gift of God is eternal. So 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 there's a certainty of death that the wages of sin, so when we're sick and we're not eating, when we're not consuming, when when we're not hungry and thirsty for God's righteousness, well, then we can have a tendency to become sick. You know, when we don't eat like we're supposed to, we can have a tendency to become sick. Uh, you know, I know there are certain things that my wife can't eat, and when she eats those certain things, her body feels a certain way, and she begins to feel sick on the inside, and some people uh, uh, are, are like that. You know, and we pray, we pray for every day. But, but regardless of what, what I'm saying here is that when we don't consume what we need to be eating, we have the tendency to become sick. Second thing, the second revelation, and I'm getting close here, second revelation that God gave me about being hungry and thirsty for his righteousness is God asked me one time what hunger and thirst looked like. Well, he didn't ask me because he didn't know the answer. I mean, he's just kind of sitting there and I'm scratching my head. Okay, Lord, but you're asking me a question. I'm hoping you give me the answer because I might not have the right answer. So I need your answer. So here's what he said. And he didn't answer me because I didn't know the answer or because he didn't know the answer. But yet so that he could enlighten me. He followed up with this answer. Hunger and thirst can be recognized by those who are still eating. Hunger and thirst can be recognized by those who are still eating. So those that thirst and hunger for righteousness, just because they ate doesn't mean that they're done eating. Okay, can you give me an example on that? How many of us have had that family member or maybe even times in our life where we've made a plate of food, we ate it, or they ate it, And when they finished they got up and they made another plate that looked just like the first one they made and then they ate it and then how many times have we seen a person i've seen this i know one of them for example is like my son-in-law and and then yeah i'm picking on my son (laughs) and then to make a third plate and then to turn it on and to eat that and you're looking at them they're like Man, they are so skinny. Where did they put all this food at? I mean, like, did you put that in your pocket, your back pocket? Did you stick it in your armpit? What happened here? But you know what the reality is? Is they're hungry. They're hungry. And what we don't do is we don't become fat in God. We become fit in God. You know what I'm saying? You could take a person that eat. You take two people and they both eat. 10,000 calories a day and one of them may go home and sit on the couch and begin to look like me and Then you got one person that may go take that after they eat those 10,000 calories and then they go to the gym And what did they turn those calories into? It became fuel for muscle Just like we saw mr. Daniel come up yesterday. I hadn't seen him in a couple years. I know that he had started working out a little bit, but by the time he walked up, I'm like good gracious son Why are you flexing on me? I'm not trying to Mr. James, Let's stop <laughs> But 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 that's what happens is we can do one or the others We can take what we're hearing every Sunday and we can just go sit on the couch and become a couch potato Or we can get in the gym and we can go through life all these obstacles that we're facing every day because what God has given us here He's given us our tools that we need to be all that he's called us to be and not to become a couch potato God has called us to so much more Than just sitting on the couch He's called us to so much more than just hearing his word preached every Sunday. He's called us to so much more when there's so many lives that are in the balance, let's just be honest with you, let, let, let's be honest. I don't want nobody to raise your hand, but I'm gonna do it myself. When's the last time you went to your neighbor and witnessed to them? When's the last time you saw an old classmate and you witnessed to them? When was the last time you saw an old coworker and you witnessed to them? How many times have you been salt and light to people that you know or don't know? Let's just be real. So, so the proof is, is in the pudding a lot, and I just wanted to give you some things to think about here. So, so, um, so it's those that, that's those that keep eating, you know, and that's what I told brother Sam that he lives now in California, and he's become so hungry for the Lord. And he said, brother, he said, man, you have been such an inspiration in me pursuing God, but it really wasn't me, is I was just being salt and light to him, and that salt makes you thirsty. And he's become thirsty. And this this is where God gave me that revelation is what that's what hunger and thirst looks like is those that keep feeding. Those that keep feeding. So I have a little quote here on this next slide that I want to give you. Hunger and thirst are the manifestation of spiritual rebirth. And you know why that is, right? Because first you die, and then your hunger and your thirst is a manifestation that you are spiritually. Reborn that is the manifestation that you are really Reborns because now you want to seek the Lord now Every facet of your life. You want to make sure that he's involved in that. I'm I'm just letting the Bible speak to us right here Let me continue on so these two revelations keep my attention when it comes to my fellowship with God and I know that if you place these truths in your spirit then your appetite will be in favor to be filled. Jesus even promised that they would be satisfied because he said that at the end of Matthew chapter five verse six those that thirst and hunger for righteousness shall be filled, shall be filled, shall be filled but it's going to take you being hungry. It's going to take you. So what we're talking about here is the process of growing. It's the process of growing. Uh, We just remember kids, man, I just fed her a four ounce bottle. I think that's, their relative name, four ounce bottle. I just fed her a four ounce bottle and like an hour later she wants another one again. Uh, Didn't you just feed her? Yeah, but she's hungry. Well, what's she doing? She's growing or he's growing. And so when we see kids, when we see kids that we haven't seen in a while, man, they sure have shot up. They've grown a lot. Well, there's been some things that's taken place there that has caused them to grow. They have to eat and junk food will cause you to be malnutrition. So what we need is we need all these things. We need the unadulterated word of God that calls us to grow into everything that he's called us to. So I want to end with this, James chapter 4, verses 7 through 8. Here's what James said. James, half half brother of Jesus, he said this. He said, so humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. So here again we see in Scripture, and we see this same pattern, dying and seeking God, dying and seeking God. So how many times in scripture does all this have to be stated? How many times do we have to see this in scripture? How many times do we have to hear this preached? How many times does the Holy Spirit have to bring this to our remembrance is that we've got to die and then we've got to seek God. We've got to die and then we got to seek God. So what does dying mean? Dying means again, it means to cease to exist ceasing to exist so here we saw it again humble yourselves before God humble yourselves that's dying And it says resist the devil so 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 flee from the very thing that you are dying from and then it says come close to God so so to me this is elementary teaching this is like addition this is like subtracting to me but so many people don't will not see it that way because they still care about their lives they still care about that they have so much to gain but the reality is is you're going to gain what to just die to pass it on to someone else one day i mean the only inheritance that i want to really leave my kid realistically is a legacy a legacy of my daddy was always in the word. My daddy loved the Lord with all of his heart. This isn't even about being a pastor, but this is about being the parent that God has called me to be before my kids. And, and, and when they see that, then they will always remember that if my daddy didn't make it to heaven, nobody's going to heaven. And it isn't, it isn't about me. It isn't about that whatsoever. It's just like daddy strive to live to the standard that God called him to daddy strive to live to the standard that god laid out before him so i come back to this and i'm i'm really i'm really going to close with this one here it says come close to god and he will come close to you so if the if the writer james or said that he said come close to god it didn't say God will come close to you. Then you come close to him. What did he say? You come close to God. What does that mean? I just come a step closer to God. So what happens there was there was a display of my hunger. There was a display of my thirst for him. There was the display that God, I want you. And then in return, what does God do? He comes to me. He takes a step closer to me. So what what does that tell me is that I am the one that decides how close I walk with God. It is all up to me. I think uh, an old saying I've heard before, if it is to be, it is up to me. If I'm going to walk with God, then I'm going to dictate how close I'm going to walk with him. But that decision's on me. That decision is based off about how hungry, how thirsty I am for his righteousness. So I'm going to close with this. Let Let what is inside of you come out and be everything that it was created for. Because we talked about this, that that very next thing after that seed dies is it does what? It absorbs water. It begins to feed. And as we begin to feed, as we begin to dive into God and then we begin to dig into his heart, as we begin to look for all these truths that become life changing for us, then, then what's on the inside and we're going to begin, we're going to, we're setting the stage up for next week is what's on inside is going to begin to flourish. It's going to, it's going to do what? It's going to turn inside out. It's going to turn inside out. So what happens is the inside is going to come out. So when we become hungry, when we begin to absorb everything that God has for us, everything that he's speaking to us, then we can transform into something so much more. Than what everybody has always viewed us at. Let me pray with you today. Dear Lord, we just thank you today, Lord, for your love, your mercy, your kindness. Lord, as we continue to stay reminded, Lord, about dying and dying to self and dying to the things of this world and dying to sin. But Lord, now that Lord, now that we've come to a realization, Lord, that we've got to be hungry for you. Because you told us, Lord, come close to you and you will come close to us. So Lord, we come today. Lord, and, and, and we can't say, Lord, make us or cause us to be hungry. Lord, we're the one that decides. We're the one that decides that we want to grow. And it becomes our decision. There's so many things, Lord, that you place in our hands. Just as we saw with the young rich ruler, Lord, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to inherit eternal life? Today, Lord, as we part ways... Lord, there's so many things that you're going to keep us reminded of this week. Lord, that you're even going to place the challenge, Lord, for us, Lord, to maybe even turn the TV off and to get into your word. That as we wake up in the morning, maybe we'll get up 30 minutes earlier just to seek you. Maybe we, just, maybe we just get in that hiding place, Lord. Maybe we just begin to speak to you while we're making our coffee, while we're making our breakfast, Lord. That we would just begin to speak to you on our breaks, Lord, this week. Lord, that we would display this hunger, Lord. That it was never about the promise, Lord, but it's about the promiser. So, Lord, today... I ask, Lord, that you would keep us reminded, Lord, that you desire fellowship with us. Bless those, Lord, that are viewing us, those that are listening to us, Lord, that you would do the very same thing in their life, Lord, that the so much that you want to do for them and in them and through them, Lord, must begin with their hunger, must begin with their thirst. Lord, we praise you, we thank you for it, and we give you glory for it those that are still here with us I, if you got your communion cup i'd just like to take a few moments and do a little bit of communion if we could this morning maybe you can pause us maybe you can uh go get your your bread and and your uh and your juice or whatever it is that you may use you know but this is just a part not just in a service but in our everyday life because jesus said jesus said this He said, do this in remembrance of me. What do we do when we remember something? We reflect back, right? To remember just means to recall or to reflect back on this. And as Jesus did this, Jesus did this right before he was going to the Garden of Gethsemane. What happened at the Garden of Gethsemane? Jesus was going to be taken into captivity and he was going to face his persecutors. And then at that point, He would be placed to death. And what was He going to be placed to death for us? For our sins. For, for our sins. You know, and, and as you can work your way through the, the, the top wrapper or those that may be with us. Maybe you got your own communion cups. And I pray that you, if you don't, you can order these things online. They're not that super expensive. But you know, it said, Jesus took the bread. And it said and he broke it and he passed it around and he, he passed it along to his disciples and he said guys he said look here he said this bread right here something that seems so simple something that seems so simple but I want this bread to be a symbolization of my body that is broken for you broken Broken and before anything a seed can be placed in the ground. It first must be broken We've not talked about that broken ground becomes fertile ground unless a seed Unless the seed dies and is planted into the earth It cannot produce the no more. So Jesus said that this is gonna be my body That was broken and do this in remembrance of me. Let us eat together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. And as you work your way through the second part of this wrapper, you know, it said then Jesus took the, the cup or the chalice and he said he passed it around and for time's sake. We don't have time to pass a cup around and for everybody to drink from it. So to make it convenient, we have these cups he said, look, guys, this is my blood. This is my blood. And we've all been cut before. And we've seen, whether it's from shaving our legs or shaving our head, and we've seen we've cut ourselves. Maybe it was with a kitchen knife while we were cutting meat or vegetables, and we've cut ourselves. Maybe we've cut ourselves while we were washing dishes. But what happened? was that as the skin was broken it begins to bleed but it can't it can't bleed unless it's broken first so why do we think that God broke the bread before he even mentioned the blood but he said hey guys like this is my blood that is for the remission of sins what does that mean it is the full price paid up front it's paid for your sins are forgiven of you He said, but I want you to partake of this, to remember, to remember that if it was not for my blood, there would be no remission. There would be no forgiveness of sins. So somebody that would be so precious, that that would give every bit of everything that they have to give us this, to cover it up. How could we ever take lightly? his love for us but he said do this do this in remembrance of me and he said and after they drank he said they blessed it so let us partake together and then we'll bless it Lord we just thank you again Lord today Lord for your love Lord that it's so hard to understand it's so hard to fathom but yet, Lord, you so willingly laid it down, Lord, for, for me, and for every other person, Lord, even for the individuals, Lord, that will spend their whole life forsaking you, neglecting you, and never looking to you, Lord, for all that you've done for them. But Lord, you leave it to us as a choice, Lord, and as. As I personally, Lord, I I make that choice, Lord, to not just serve you in private, Lord, but to serve you publicly, Lord, to make your name known everywhere that I go. Lord, bless us as we part ways, Lord, here today. And we praise you and we glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen.